This evening we are looking at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Last week we looked at verse 1 which spoke about what we are. We are now the children of God because of the love that God has bestowed upon us, freely showered upon us. In verse 2, John is speaking about what we shall be. Okay. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So if in verse 1, he spoke about what we are, in verse 2, he is speaking about what we shall be. And in verse 3, actually, he you know, puts it all together and you know, says about in the light of who we are, in the light of what we should be, will be, you know, he's saying, right now when you're here or not, how should you then live? So what we are is spoken of in verse 1, what we shall be is spoken of in verse 2, and in verse 3, John speaks about what we should be, okay? Now he starts off this verse again by this you know, one word, beloved, one word, beloved. This is his favorite word to describe the children of God. In fact, he used this word, beloved, six times in this short letter. And uh, also, if you notice another endearing term, little children, is also commonly used to one in this uh, in letter. He uses that also as in seven times, which are unique words that he uses primarily more than any other New Testament writer. So even when you're looking at this word beloved, okay, it comes in a, in a, from the word agape, okay, the word that is used here is agapetos, which is speaking primarily about an individual who has been loved by God, you know, an individual who is in a relationship with God, okay. This is the word. It is not just a uh, a normal word, you know, maybe in English language we may use so-and-so is my beloved, but, you know, here it is speaking about the agape love, the unconditional love of God. So this word is love called out of one's heart by preciousness of the object love. And this word is used only of Christians and it reflects our covenant union with God or the family union that we have with one another in the family of God. So he says, beloved, <laughs> now, okay, he says we are living in the now, now, we are God's children now, okay, but he is also saying, you know, we do not know what's going to happen next, you know, but the emphasis what that is starting off with, he's saying, we are God's children now, not in a future, not in an eternity in future, but we are his children now. So that's the first thought that he's co communicating to us in, uh, this evening from this particular passage. We are God's children now. Now, that thought should grip our lives when we are living here or not. It is not that, you know, one day we will become you know, his children. No, you know, it's a question of as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be the children of God. 
So it starts off with the now, then only what we shall be comes about. Okay. It is not to say that you, you know, you are not following him now, you are not his child now, but definitely one day when we see him, we shall be like him. No, no, no. That is not what is spoken of here. It has to start with the now, then it will lead to the then or in the future. Now, there are a lot of people who do want to go to heaven, you know, who say they are believers, who say that they would you know, be in heaven. But if the now is not there, if the confirmation that they are now the children of God is not there, if they have not responded to Christ in a, in a personal manner, then they cannot dream about heaven. Now, this is the sad position, you know. A lot of people think they would go, think this is what will happen. But unless the now is there, now are we the children of God. So, this assurance of what we will be is given to only those individuals who have known and experienced God in a personal way and who now know that they belong to Him. And if you notice this whole book, as we have, the letter as we have been speaking so far, is primarily John is giving assurances of who the genuine believers are. So that in the midst of the false teachers who come up with their own doctrines, you know, to give different, different you know, assurances and experiences, John is saying, be careful. You have received the anointing if you have responded to who Jesus is. So this now and the future is definitely linked together. So it is linked by this little word, and now are we the children of God. And it doesn't appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. So when you're speaking about now are we the children of God, okay? Remember last time when we looked on you know, this word bestowed, you know, it's a word that speaks about a gift that is given. It's a permanent gift that is given. So when he's speaking about now are we, it is again the present tense, you know, which signifies that once you have received the inheritance, once the first installment, once the deposit of the Spirit of God has been given to us, we will not disinherit that promise. Now, when it comes to inheritances, you know, physical inheritances, you know, sometimes maybe the children are you know, disinherited because of different things that they have done maybe, or they, you know, they can change you know, the, the will that has to be done. So as a result, sometimes the children may not inherit what is theirs. But when it comes to the inheritance that God has assured for us, He says, now are we, this is what the present tense is, you know, and the assurance is that we will never be disinherited of that inheritance. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, <laughs> Peter writing says that we have obtained an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, which will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you and me, who are protected by the power of God through faith, ready for salvation to be revealed in the last time. Look at all the words that Peter uses over there for the inheritance. Imperishable, undefiled, which won't fade away, reserved. You know? It's speaking about a permanent reservation that God has given to us. Okay? But that starts off with, now are we. Okay? That is the, what the emphasis is. You know? We have to have that assurance that yes, Christ is living in us. 
How do you get that assurance? The Spirit of God Himself, who is the first depositor, the installment, you know, gives us that assurance. If He is living in us, then He has quickened our lives. Our lives are being transformed into His image, you know. Then the Spirit of God gives us that assurance each day that we are His. It's the Spirit of God that enables us to cry out to God and call Him above Father. So if this relationship is not there in our lives, we can never think about what we shall be, okay? Then we are only thinking about, I don't know what will happen. There's so much uncertainty about the future for people who do not know who they are in Christ now. But for individuals who know who they are in Christ now, then there is that assurance of what we will be, okay? So he's saying, you know, now are we the children, uh, and our children of God, but, you know, we do not know, you know, what is going to happen in the fullest sense, you know. So what he's saying here is, you know, not yet, you know. Something is happening, the best is coming along, but we don't have the full idea about what that best is all about, okay. So he says, you know, we don't have the full idea, not yet, but we will get the full idea when we definitely see him face to face. So, when we go through situations in life about the future, when you have questions about the future, this verse gives us that assurance. Now are we the children of God? Then you have questions about the future. You know, the scripture says, the best is yet to come. Now, as a child grows up, develops and matures, the goal is to go on into maturity. As a baby in Christ grows up and develops, the goal is to grow on to maturity. And as the child of God <laughs> matures, <coughs> the goal is that one day we will see him face to face and we will live for, with him for all eternity. So he says, <coughs> now are we the children of God, but it has not yet appeared what we shall be. It has not yet appeared. In other words, in a, the word that is used here, not yet appeared, means it has never happened before. We have not got a glimpse about that, you know. It has never previously been manifested in any way, okay. The word that is used therefore appeared means, you know, to make visible. It is hidden now. We can have a glimpse, but it is hidden now. There's nobody who has, if you were to say, died and come back again to show us this is what life will be. But the glimpse that we have is of the Lord Jesus who died you know, and rose again and came back to us so that we have only a glimpse about how we will be after we rise again as well. That is the physical body part of it, you know, that yes, we will have a spiritual body just as much as Jesus had, you know, that he had a body he could eat, but it, he could also pass through walls. It was not a material but it was a spiritual body. So we have only that glimpse. So we don't know another rest of the details of what will be, okay? That is what, you know, John is, you know, speaking about here. But we have the hope, we have this hope, you know, that he's speaking about a future event that will take place. He is not speaking about, you know, it has not yet appeared who we will be. He's speaking about what we will be, okay? So this is speaking about something, you know, that will happen to us which is so very 
different. We have never experienced it before, but it is something that will be in a very, very exciting for us. Okay. It is like a, a child of God who is here now like a diamond that is a crystal white within, but it is still uncut and shows no brilliant flashes from reflected facets. But once the cutting takes place, once the cutting takes place, we start off, you know, when you follow, you know, when you begin to follow Christ, uncut diamond. Then he begins to shape us. Then he begins to work on us. Then there's more of Christ that is revealed in us. We are becoming like him each day. And then there will come a time when we see him, we will be like him. That's why in that verse he says, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Look at the confidence that you know, John is speaking about. He says, we know that when he appears. It's not a question of we know, you know that if he appears. It's not a question of I hope he appears soon. No, no. The question is, but we know when he appears. When he appears. The assurance that he is definitely going to appear. So John makes it clear that believers can be full, uh, fully confident you know, that this thing about we becoming like him will happen in its fullness when Christ will come back with that certainty. As we are sure of this, we will also be sure that we will be like him. <laughs> now, how can believers be so confident? You know? A person may say, anyway, we don't know what happens after that. Nobody knows. So, you know, how can you have that confidence? If somebody asks you that question, you know, the scripture clearly teaches us that one day we are going to be transformed into his likeness and image, you know, transformed into his likeness and image. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, uh, now Paul writing says, we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. And also in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Okay. So when he's saying over here, we know, you know, the word that is used here for know, is slightly different from the word that is commonly used you know, for knowing, which is ginosko. Ginosko refers to knowledge that is obtained by experience. So you can say an experiential knowledge. Okay? Whereas the word that is used here <coughs> is more of an intuitive knowledge, okay? which only the Spirit of God can give us that inner assurance. Okay? And the Lord uses these two words in John chapter 8 and verse 58, where Jesus says, you know, you have not come to know, the word that is used here, you know, is ginosko. He says, you do not really know, you know, you know, know him, know the Lord, know the Father. But he says, but I know him. That's the second word, okay. You may have information about him, you have known him to a, a certain level maybe because of your you know, encounter with the Lord. But he says, I know him. That's the intimacy. That's the difference. That's the you know, deep down assurance that a person can have 
when he says, I really know the Lord. And this is the difference that you know, John is speaking about. When he says, we know, you know that when he appears, I have that inner confidence because of my relationship with him, because I know who he is, as a result, I know with a full confidence that what God has spoken in his word about his coming back again, it is going to be true. And if his coming back again is true, then I also have the confidence that what is happening in my life, you know, it's going to have its fulfillment, final fulfillment on that final day when I shall see him face to face. Unsaved people cannot have this inner assurance. This is why there are a lot of people who are continuously asking for assurance of salvation because they have never really had a genuine you know, experience with the Lord to say that they are genuinely saved. Okay, they may have made some commitments externally here and there, but that inner assurance is not there because the Spirit of God is not living inside of them. Maybe they just decided, they reformed themselves, they said, I'm going to do this and this and this. But the Spirit of God coming and living inside of them, which is what genuine regeneration or transformation is all about, has never really happened. So unsaved people cannot have this assurance to say, hey, this is what I know is going to happen. No, no. But a believer can and should definitely have this assurance. He says, when he shall appear, when he will appear. Now, a little more assurance is about his coming back again. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus himself in these two verses gives us four assurances or four promises to ensure that we are confident that he is going to come back again. John chapter 14, <laughs> verses 2 and 3, In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That's promise number one. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then promise number two, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's the second promise. And then the third promise, I will receive you to myself. And the fourth promise that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus assures us. Okay, Jesus assures us. So if in case you have questions, what will happen? I do not know. No, no. If you know the Lord, then the Spirit of God inside of you gives you that confidence, that assurance. Yes, you belong to God. And also gives you that assurance. Yes, Jesus is coming back again for me. And we are then looking forward for that. So he says, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. This is both a promise as well as an assurance of the future glorification that the Lord has planned for each one of his children. Now, when it says we shall be like him, it doesn't mean that we will be him. It doesn't mean that we will become all in our uh, semi-gods or we will we'll all become gods. No, no. We shall be like him, you know, similar to him. What is the similarity? The similarity is the physical transformation that will take place you know, when Christ comes back or when we see him face to face. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul writing says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory 
by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. This is what will happen. Now, what will happen? We will be transformed. We will still be ourselves, you know, but our character and nature will be perfected into the image of Jesus' perfection. Okay. The question we must ask ourselves is, do we long to be like Jesus? Do we long to be like Jesus? If that's our desire, if that is our hope that one day I'm going to be like him, then we would be living lives now as he speaks in the next verse of, you know, looking forward for his coming and as a result preparing ourselves for his coming now. So if you are really wanting to be like Jesus, it will show in our lives and it will be a fact for all eternity. But if you don't want to be like Christ, it will also show in your life and it will also be in a, a fact in eternity. When Christ comes back again, we will receive that instant new body. And at that time, that body which is spiritual will be freed from all sin. Right now as believers, we are free from the penalty of sin. We are free from the power of sin. But we are not free from the presence of sin. But when he comes back again, when our bodies itself are transformed, then the desire to sin will not be there whatsoever. So we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. As he is, so we will be also like him. <laughs> so when you're speaking about in a we shall see him as he is, okay? This is speaking about, you know, if you were to say, a progression work that God is doing in our lives. That is the future that God has for us, the best that God has in store. Right now, Philippians 1.6 says he has started the good in us, the work in us. He's slowly transforming us into his likeness and image. That work is going on now here on earth. But the final fulfillment of that work will be when we shall see him face to face. So this is the greatest glory of heaven, not to be personally glorified, but to be in the unhindered, unrestricted presence of God. Like Paul would say, we see in a mirror now very faintly, very dimly, but then we will see him face to face. We will see him face to face. Heaven is precious for us for many reasons. We long to be with loved ones who have passed before us and whom we miss so dearly. We long to be with the great men and women of God who have passed before us in centuries past. We want to walk the streets of gold, see the pearly gates, see the angels around the throne of God worshipping him day and night. But none of these things are precious as they are. None of these things really make heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the unhindered, unrestricted presence of our Lord. And to see him as he is will be the greatest experience of our eternal existence. Are we looking forward for that? Looking forward for that. Start from what God is doing now. Are you seeing what God is doing now? If that now is not there, what will be is not going to come. So let's look at now. Are we the children of God? Now is God doing his work in our lives? Now, is he changing our lives moment by moment into his likeness and image? Is that happening? If that is happening, then we can also with confidence look forward for that day when we shall uh, be like 
came. The story is told of a man who visited a piano manufacturing plant. And the guy took him first to a large workroom where employees were cutting and shaping wood and steel. Nothing there bore any resemblance to a piano. Next, they visited a department where parts were being fitted into frames, but still there were no strings or keys. And in a third room, more pieces were being assembled, but still no music. Finally, the guy took the guest to the showroom, and there a musician was playing classical music on a beautiful piano. The visitor, aware for the first time of all the steps involved in the development of this marvelous musical instrument, could now appreciate its beauty even more fully. And that's what the Apostle John is saying over here. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. God has saved us. He is slowly changing us into his likeness and image from glory to glory. But one day that work will be completed when in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 we get the reason for Christ transforming us so that we will be conformed to the image of God. Now we are in the process, maybe sometimes it may seem very slow, you know, remember God is working on us and he has the best in store for us. So let's challenge ourselves. If last week we were challenged by the truth that God has bestowed his love upon us. Let's challenge ourselves this evening. Are we looking forward for what we shall be? Are we looking forward you know, to be like him? Are we looking forward to see him? face to face, and let that hope guide our lives each day. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.